Uh, greetings everyone and welcome to my podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the characteristics of a false ministry. But before further ado, you know that we can't start anything without the Lord Jesus. Let's close our eyes. My Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are. May God, this podcast will expose the devil. And this will make me and whoever is listening to this, especially me, an enemy to him. He'll fight tooth and nails to ensure that he does something. God, I ask you, Father, right now to open the ears of the person who's listening to this. Help them, my Father, to see. Help them discern. My Father, use me as well. Let this person not hear me, but let them hear you talking to them through me. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're going to start out this, we're going to be reading a lot of verses, but these characteristics are six characteristics of a deceitful ministry. Um, this, I won't pinpoint churches or what, I'll try my best not to pinpoint churches, um, but this is not dedicated to any church. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me, and I really apologize if maybe it's going to offend you or your church. Or whatever I believe in. It's the word of God. And hence I have Bible verses to back my statement. I don't say something without having the Bible to back it up. Because I know how dangerous that journey is. Anyway, let's start. Before further ado, we I'm going to introduce this topic to you by reading the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I do suggest though that instead of you opening all these verses, because there are going to be many, that you note them down. So that you can be able to read them on your own. These are going to help you discern between between churches, which church is the best, which church is not the best. I'm not going to say anything about my church. I don't want to name my church because I don't want you guys to think I'm advertising the church I go to. But if you really want to know what my church is, um, feel free to send me um, an email at um, marinette fm98 at gmail.com. Let's get going. It says, um, we're reading the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 28 to 13. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know that after my departure, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. This verse introduces us to this entire topic because it tells us exactly what I'm going to show you. That there are wolves among us. There are among us people who are going to do perverse things, you know. But I always, like I said, I won't say any name of a church. Um, you're going to descend for yourself. And if really you think this, uh, this podcast is offensive, please just stop here. Don't listen to it going on because going on is a dose of reality from the word of God. Let's continue. Now, the first characteristics of false ministry is they condone worshipping of other gods. This is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verse 20, which says, But the prophet who presumes 
to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other God, shall die. That prophet shall die. So, like, the the book of Deuteronomy tells us that, um, it tells us that the there are prophets among us who are going to rise and condone talking about other gods or in behalf of other gods. What are other gods? They may not say that, um, don't worship God, worship this certain God, but they will definitely say that, um, it's okay to live in sin. It's okay. It's okay to fornicate. You know, I think among these characteristics, I'm going to pass by there, but they're going to... Tell, tell you about worshipping other gods. They will not tell you the reality. Instead, they're just going to tell you that it's okay. It's okay. You can worship other gods. It's okay. You can do your rituals um, to, uh, to dead people. It's okay. You know, those people are actually going to put God in the level of... Um, I'm going to put these gods in the level of God. They're going to tell you it's okay to worship both God and... Um, Dead people. It's okay to worship both God and golden statue. It's okay to worship God and the picture of Jesus. Because we have no picture of Jesus. But there are people who worship that. And they're going to say, no, it's okay. But the Bible says, worship no God but me. In the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. And if you continue the book of Exodus, the Bible does say, we should not worship any other image. Any image. Jesus does not say we can worship a picture that man drew of him. That is not Jesus. That is a picture. Jesus isn't a picture. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to be spewing facts in this one. If really this is offending you, please switch off the podcast immediately. So, yeah. So, the the first thing is they will condone you worshipping other gods. Of which, yeah, it's been happening. There is a particular church I once went to when, where we were taught that you can worship God and dead people. It's it's okay because God first, then the dead people after. Bottom line is they're worshipping other gods. And it's a rare occasion where when someone worships something else, they put God first. It is rare. It is always that thing that they put it first. God does not really have the fortunate the the lack of being first when someone has something else. He's always put right in the middle somewhere. So worship no God but God. The next characteristic of um the false ministry is they see false visions. We're gonna be talking about Ezekiel thirteen verse nine, which says my hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and those who divide lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record, in the record of the house of Israel, nor they, sh- nor they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. So this um now this is a very interesting topic. When they say they shall have false visions, there are what there are different kinds of visions. There are prophets who actually have true visions, true visions from God, but they are delayed visions, you know. But let's talk about what kind of visions are these. Visions that could potentially cause fights. There was once a church that I went to, I'm sorry, God. And this church, they used to look at you and say, what's your problem? I'm facing this problem. And then they're going to say, it's because your neighbor bewitched you. 
African churches, it's because the neighbor bewitched you. Now that that vision could cause fights, and God doesn't want that. God says love your neighbor as yourself, but if you hear that your neighbor is the one behind your problems, how are you gonna love them? The second thing is visions that don't make ben- that benefit themselves and do not make sense. There was once a training story here in South Africa of a pastor who went to this 15-year-old girl. The pastor was close to 50-somethings. And he said, the Holy Spirit showed me that I should marry you. A 15-year-old. Guys, sometimes these things need common sense. Like, seriously. Like, I feel like they're benefiting them. These visions benefit them, but not the word of God, not the presence of God, not to alert the people. It's all about them. They see a beautiful girl out there, and they're like, the Holy Spirit said I should marry you. I had a vision. I had a dream. No, guys. No. The third one is visions that causes one to be vulnerable to a point that the minister could have control over them. Yeah. The minister or the pastor gains control. They could say something that will scare you so that they can be able to control you, right? And of which that is not even true in most instances. It is just them scaring you so that they can be able to get you to do whatever you want. They want. Um, and then the last one says visions that contradict the word of God. Proof of this is found in Jeremiah chapter 14 verse 14 which says, And the Lord said to me, Prof- The prophets that tell lies in my name, I have not seen them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divin- divination, a worthless things, and deceit of their heart. The next point um, of false ministry is they do not preach the reality of salvation. Instead, they preach what pleases the heart. This is found in the book of Luke chapter 6 verse 26 which says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so they did to their fathers and to the false prophets. Um, and then more of this is in the book of Second Timothy chapter three, no, sorry, chapter four, verse three to four. It says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables." Apples. I like verse 5, but you will be watchful in all things, and your affections do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Which this means that they say what they what pleases their heart. Guys, I don't I don't know. I'm sorry for this, God. I really am. I am sorry for this to any preachers listening to this, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm, so, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say. The reality is Jesus is coming. The reality is people need the Holy Spirit. But if if the church you go to doesn't encourage you to fight for your salvation, you should question. I'm sorry, but what I'm about to say will not be good for the ears. And it will not please the heart. The Bible says, yes, okay, it's okay for us to encourage you to fight for your finances. That, that brings glory to God for your health, for your love life, for every other area of your life. But if you are f- 
church doesn't encourage you to fight for your salvation, you should question. Because the real reason why we go to church is for the salvation of ourselves. Going to church won't get you to heaven. Fighting for your salvation will. So, if your church does not encourage you to fight for your salvation, I'm sorry to say, but you're going to have to question quite a lot. Fighting for your salvation is if your pastor does not encourage you to accept the Lord Jesus as your savior. If your pastor does not encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit. If the pastor does not encourage you to focus on the salvation of your soul, question. Question it. Question it because the reality is we don't have any more time. And I feel like most churches should be talking about salvation now because the signs are just gathering themselves up rapidly. COVID-19 sped everything up. So please, be careful. The next point, which is point number four, they absorb the glory of the miracle they perform, thus making themselves the Messiah. Proof of this is found in the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, which says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise, and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. If the minister of God takes all the glory for every miracle they do, they are not leading you to Christ, they are leading you to themselves. Period. Because once you give the glory to God, you make me, who is even an unbeliever, trust and believe in this God. But if you say, I healed a person, because really you healed that person, God used you to heal that person. Instead of saying, glory to God, this person is healed, or God used me to heal this person. Even if you say, I healed this person through the power of God. But you have to give the glory to God somewhere for every miracle that you do. So, if, if the work that they perform, the work that they do for God... They do, like through the power of the Holy Spirit and they don't give God the credit, you have to question. Because the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all in the glory to the glory of God. Everything you do, everything the pastor does, especially the pastor, because he is closer to God. He receives messages from God. So the minister of the word of God, everything they do, they should bring the glory to God. So if the minister doesn't encourage you to believe in God and says, um, God has healed you, but doesn't I have healed you? Question. Question. Because it is God whom we should be giving the glory to. Okay? I'm not saying go to a person and say, why didn't you give the glory to God? No, but question, ask God, God, am I still in the right path? When I say question, I say, ask God, am I still in the right way? Is, like, is it okay? Is everything okay? Okay, let's continue. The next characteristic is they twist the Bible. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't say this one. If, even, if the, even if the minister of the word of God would twist the word of God for you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to discern. 
This is found in the book of Second Peter, chapter three, verse sixteen, which says, "As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do, as they do also the rest of the scriptures, they twist the word of God." Um, the, like it's like they're using the word of God to condone sin or to co- to condone whatever agenda they have. Like guys, the Bible says Jesus turned water into wine, and then the, the minister comes and says it's okay to drink alcohol. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. But the same Bible says in the book of Proverbs that we should not get drunk in the drinks of the world. You see, they twist the Bible. They just twist it completely to a point that. You get lost in the process. So, they just twist the word of God. They don't um, don't give much care to ensuring that your salvation is there. Instead, they take the word of God and go to, to excuse what they say. Guys, to excuse the things they do. So, they twist the word of God. Now, it's okay according to the word of God. Then they quote a verse. Oh, and sometimes they even say... You you see maybe a person smoking. Not let's let's not. I'm not judging anyone. You see a person smoking, and then you ask them, um, "Why are you smoking?" They said, "Which verse in the Bible says we should not smoke?" Some things just need common sense, you know. So they just twist the Bible. They twist it completely. Once they twist the Bible, they're deceiving you. This will be the longest part of my segment. The last one is who they are outside the church. This is found in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 6 to 16. I'm going to try and read as much as I can. Chapter 1, verse 6 to 16. If a man is blameless, the husband to one wife, having faithful children, not accused of deception or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to ex sort and convict those who contradict. For there are many insubordinates, both able talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouth have been stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure of all, to the pure all things are pure. But those who are defiled, believing nothing is pure, not even their mind and subconscious are defiled. They profess to not know God, but to know God, but in the works they deny Him, being abominable, dishonest, and disqualified for every good work.
Okay, so I'm just gonna break this down a bit. Um, the Bible says um, that who they are outside the church. According to the to this verse, the first characteristics, the way they sh- um, every minister should be outside the church is, firstly, they should be faithful to their spouse or partners. I've been to a church. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I come from a farm. I've been to a church where the pastor was married, but the pastor dated someone in the choir. I don't know. Like, these things were trending upon the church anyway. And most of the church members used to call the other one, not the wife. No, 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 no. They used to, they didn't even care about the wife. They used to disregard the wife. But they used to praise this other one because they used to believe that um, they used to call her pastor's wife. They used to call her Mamam Fundis, which is pastor's wife in Kosa. They used to call her that. And that now the bible shows us that the person should be faithful to their spouse you should be faithful to your partner if you're if there is an auxiliary pastor and they're dating a young pastor who's not yet married and they're dating they should be faithful to their partner so that is the first characteristic the second characteristic of who they should be outside their church according to the book of titus one is they should not they should discourage rebellion and disobedience to the word of god Seriously, they should discourage rebellion and disobedience. There are people, there are, there are preachers who, going back to all the other characteristics, they just they they actually encourage you guys. No, continue living your life of sin, girl. There's nothing wrong. God will accept you if you do both. They should discourage that. Even though their actions discourage that, because they are role models. Dude, you can't be found drinking. In a club with your pastor. Guys, this is what the Holy Spirit says. I'm sorry, it's not me. This The third one is, they should not be overbearing or overly power, unpleasantly overpowering. They should not own the word of God. They should not like, they should not be, they should not want to be God over you. They should not force you to do things. They should not be ruling. Like, they should not do that. If maybe the Holy Spirit uses them to say, do this, and you say you don't want to, you have a right to anyway, but they should not be forcing you, why don't you do that? No, no, no. There's rebuking, but there is being overly overbearing. They're bossy. There are all those things. There is to lead. There is to be a boss. They're brutal. You know, they don't care. They don't talk about God it's grace. They force you to do things even outside the church. You know. The other one is. They should not be short tempered. Pastors get angry. Because they're humans. But they should not be short tempered. Because if a pastor is short tempered. They are going to fall. I promise you. Because everything that is happening in the house of God. And even outside the house of God. Is not always in the favor of those who serve God. The next one, they should not be given to drunkenness. Oh, hallelujah. A pastor should not, I'm sorry guys. A pastor of the word of God should not drink. If you drink with the minister of the word, question, question. Don't question their spiritual condition. Question God, whether God, am I in the right church? 
is this the church that you have chosen to save my soul? Am I in the right path? Don't question their spiritual life. That's in God's business. But for you, are you in the right path? Question those things. Um, I was going to tell another story, but let's pause. They should not be violent. Oh, God. They should not be violent. Like the way I said, <sighs> no. They should be gentle because gentleness is a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The last one is, they should not be pursuing dishonest gain. The house of God ministry has been commercialized, guys. You have to buy the blessed oil that God commanded the apostles to bless and give the people. You have to command. That was used to anoint David. David did not pay for the oil. Like, they should not, the house of God should not be for personal gain. Tithes and offerings and sacrifices, those are normal because every, like, they are in the Bible. But there are things which are sold, a pastor selling a broom. Weird, huh? And say, this broom is going to clean away all your problems. We are now commercializing the word of God. It's now a business, mostly. It's not no longer about saving souls, right? Um, the characteristics that they should possess are found from um, verse 8 to 16. But I want you to continue reading the... So, um, if you want to continue with this, um, I suggest that you read the book of Second Peter chapter 2. You read the whole book. You're going to see what else God, maybe God is going to speak to you there. And then Matthew chapter 23 verse 1 to 29. For now, um, let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much, my Father, for talking to us right now. I know that what I may have said or what you have told me to say to your people will not please so many ears. But I ask you, God, today to open the eyes of the people that they may discern. Help, my Father, the people of God to be able to see when they are going lost and show us the way, my Father. Help us, my Father, to receive your spirit. Continue using it to do great things, but also continue to manifest your life in yourself in the lives of the people who are the person who is listening to this. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. May God bless you, and I really hope you have a great week. I'm so sorry if the scriptures today were very long. I had to do this. Anyway, tomorrow I'll be doing the study. I'll be talking about the Lord's Supper. Um, Who should eat the Lord's Supper and who should not. I am so sorry again. It will not be a pleasing topic. And then I'm going to talk. Then on Monday, we're going to be continuing Revelation chapter 1. God bless you. A quick disclaimer. Um, As I have edited this, I'm not saying that you should judge your pastors or judge your ministers. I'm saying that you should focus on you. What happens in another person's spiritual life is between them and God. Hence, throughout this, I've been saying, question God, whether you are still in the right place, in the right path, or is this the church that God has chosen for you? Don't say, the pastor is like this. What kind of pastor is this? It is not your responsibility to judge the pastor. It is God's responsibility. Don't get yourself to hell over something that doesn't make sense, if you know what I mean. So, just focus on your own salvation and the salvation of your souls. I'm not saying this way to judge the pastors, but I'm, I was saying this because I want you to be able to discern. God bless you.